Today's podcast is brought to you by Amazon Prime Video, presenting the Prime original drama series, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, starring John Krasinski and Wendell Pierce. From executive producers Carlton Cuse and Graham Rowland. Episodes available for Guild members at consideramazon.com. Hello and welcome to The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly, taking you inside this year's best contenders for the industry's biggest awards, from the Golden Globes to the Oscars. I'm your host, Shana Naomi Krokmal, the digital director at EW, and I'm joined this week by two of my excellent colleagues, Devin Kogan, staff writer for EW, and Kristen Baldwin, our TV critic. This podcast is part of our comprehensive awards coverage in the magazine and online at EW.com. Today, we are talking about last week's Golden Globe nominations. Welcome, Devin and Kristen. Hello. Hi. Plus, uh, later in the show, Pia Sinha Roy and I had the chance to talk to Karin Kasama, director of Destroyer, which Nicole Kidman just got nominated for. And we'll continue our bold takes, big predictions from our hosts and guests on how this all ends on the other side. Uh, but let's let's talk about the Golden Globes, you guys. Um, I'm excited. Like, before we even got to the nominations last week, we finally found out that Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg are hosting. I think this is good. Are you guys both in favor? Devin? I am 100% in favor. Uh, Sandra Oh is just amazing. Killing Eve was one of my favorite television shows from this entire year. And Andy Samberg is the delight. When he hosted the Emmys a few years back, that was one of my favorite things. And I think I think the combination of the two of them is really fun. Like, I, I always, you know, if you have sort of an off-the-wall pairing, I, I think that can make for a really fun sort of, instead of just like one guy getting up there and just like doing a monologue, you know? Yeah, and especially because it's sort of an unexpected pairing. Exactly, but they were so, they host, they appeared, um, they presented a category at last year's Globes, which was so much fun, and so I think it's, and there were enough people on Twitter, I think, who were like, get them to host, that they, they passed the audition. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, how are you feeling about it? I feel good as well. I mean, both Killing Eve and Brooklyn Nine-Nine are two of my favorite shows. They were on my top ten list, and she's really funny. I think, uh, you know, they will be a good uh, pairing in terms of, you know, she's very dry and he can be very goofy. So I think it'll be fun and they'll clearly not have any problem sort of uh, teasing or taking the industry to task in a humorous way, uh, which is always fun to watch at the Golden Globes. Plus she's nominated, which I always enjoy, a little bit of that extra like drama when you have the person on stage and they're nominated or they're announcing in some way. So I think that'll be good and I think definitely more just like fun and enjoy like the right conversation to be having about hosts as opposed to everything that's happening on the Oscar side which we're not even going to get into <laughs> we'll cut, we'll, <laughs> exactly though but like you should be excited and be like oh what a fun group of people to have on stage when we're talking about it so you know kudos to NBC for kind of getting that part of it right and I'm excited um, I don't think she was on our list our epic list Kristen that you and um, Pia and I and then uh, some other folks worked on of all of the women who could host but I, I think a solid choice Absolutely and you know even better she wasn't on our list so she wasn't predictable it was a lot of fun <laughs> That's true and we had a lot of women on that list so well done way to find someone who we're super excited about who we overlooked at that point but um, excited to see uh, Let's talk about the nominations themselves so you know obviously Golden Globes are always interesting. They're always a little, a lot of questions, a lot of questions around the categories. Um, but let's let's 
you guys did a great job of breaking down at EW.com like what some of the surprises and the snubs were. Devin, do you want to go first? Like, take us through from the yeah. movie side. Where where were you really excited about these nominations? Where were you, did you have some questions? <laughs> Isn't that always the way with the Globes, where it's like some of them are like, yeah, and some of them are like, huh? Yeah. Um, uh, the, one of the big takeaways is that um, Vice, Adam McKay's movie, uh, topped with, uh, it had the most nominations with six, you know, director, picture, or comic, uh, Best comedy, um, a lot of acting nominations. So that that is a movie that it doesn't open until Christmas. But I think that is one that's sort of this is the Dick Cheney movie. This is the Dick Cheney that almost movie. no one has actually seen. That, yet. So that's the thing. Almost nobody has actually seen it yet. So um, at least, and it doesn't hit theaters until the 25th. So for it to come out this strong in the Globes, I think, is a really interesting sort of positions it in an interesting place for how it might play with the Oscars. So I guess we know at least that some of the 90 HFPA members have seen it. Right. So if the HF, I guess the HFPA is yeah. and nobody else has. <laughs> but um, so that was like a big takeaway and sort of cemented that as a um, sort of one to watch going forward. One thing I was really excited about was the nomination for Black Panther, mm -hmm. um, which was something a lot of people were talking about. It was it's the first superhero movie to receive a nomination in the best drama category, which is a huge milestone. And I think that spells. A lot of people have been wondering, you know, can it's it's one of the most popular movies of the year. How can it, you know, can it ride that wave to Oscars? And I think this is a really good um, indication that it's it's on its way for that. Seeing it, it almost is now. It's not like the other Marvel movies or the other. They've been good. Like there have been really solid entries, I think, in that. And it's always just been this bar where it's like, well, yeah, but you're a superhero movie. We're not talking about you in the same category. There is this. There's. There's sort of, um, you know, put on the back burner. And another thing I was really excited about is, um, you know, the Incredible Two's got a uh, got Incredible Two, Incredibles Two got a um, uh, animated nomination, as did the Spider Verse movie, which I think I'm super excited about. So, you know, I think there is a little bit of idea that. I think, you know, when it comes to award season, you know, the award shows tend to re uh, reward the genre movies that sort of push the envelope a little bit and, and say, you know, well, so the genre isn't just superhero movie. It's a, you know, drama epic with, you know, family with, with Black Panther, with you've got family uh, issues and, and, you know, really interesting issue uh, questions being raised. So that's the sort of thing. Those are the sort of superhero movies that we usually see get the sort of, you know, award season love. Mm -hmm. Kristen, were there any like genre standouts for you in the on the TV side that you feel like are also I think sometimes the Globes can be a place where we see a little bit more of that. Uh, in terms of genre, I would say, I mean, I guess it depends on if you count um, weird time time hopping conspiracy drama a genre because homecoming uh obviously did well uh julia roberts got nominated but i was really surprised to see that her co-star stephen jane got nominated too he is fantastic in it you know it was it i sort of thought that maybe the show would get nominated and she would but that that would be it so it was really nice to see him get a nomination uh and then of course in the true crime genre there's Connie Britton, my queen, who got <laughs> a nomination for Dirty John, well-deserved. It was a little bit of a, uh, you know, surprise because the show had only aired, I believe, two episodes by the time the nomination came out. But she is, you know, again, a queen, a goddess among women. So her performance in that show, which is based on the True Crime pod podcast, uh, is stellar. So those were a couple very, uh, and Pose, best drama for Pose, which is the 80s period piece uh, about 
uh, ballroom culture among the LGBTQ community uh, from Ryan Murphy. It was great to see that get nominated. That was a show that had a lot of talk about it, but it wasn't very, you know, not a lot of people watched it. So it was really nice to see that. I was so excited about that. I only my only complaint was I would have loved to have seen some of the other women on Pose also get the nomination. I, Billy Porter, for, I thought totally deserved it, but all of them, all of them were for good. sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's my but list. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just happy that the show got recognized for sure. Uh, and of course, you know there were some uh, some pretty brutal snubs that were painful. My most my biggest disappointment, and for a lot of fans, too, was that Jodie Comer did not receive a nomination for Killing Eve, which is just a freaking crime. Uh, Sandra Oh got one. The show got one. That's great. Both well-deserved, but Jodie Comer's performance is truly, like, revelatory. So it's just really depressing that she, yet again, did not get nominated. Um, She's amazing in that show. It's honestly unreal. (laughs) It's unreal. Like, people you know, people are like, she must actually kill people for a living, right? <laughs> like, she's so good at it. So it's truly, like, it's a, it's a shock that uh, she did not get nominated. Um, and my colleague, Darren Franich, who was pretty bummed that Atlanta uh, was snubbed with the exception of uh, Donald Glover. Um, and then there were some weird, some weird uh, thing, uh, nominations, for example, Candace Bergen being nominated for Murphy Brown, which, you know, Candace Bergen is an icon. That's great. She made that role, you know, really uh, an iconic role in the 80s and 90s. But this revival of the show has been largely uh, underwhelming, is, is a polite way to put it. And um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and not really, probably coming back. So Exactly. So it's really surprise, surprising to see her be nominated for that performance when the whole thing was just kind of like, let's pretend this never happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Devin, who was on your snubs list? Who were you a little, a little sad for? Personally, I am heartbroken at the snub of my favorite movie of the year, Paddington 2, um, which is one of those movies that if you haven't seen it, you're like, what? But if you have seen it, you're like, yes, it's the best movie of the year. Why hasn't it gotten like 12 million nominations? It is just, it's so beautifully made and so, and it has such a kind heart that, and you know, uh, Hugh Grant is so delightfully devilish as this sort of like out of work actor who's a villain. And it's just one of those movies, like, that was a total long shot, but it's been on enough critics' lists that I was kind of secretly like, oh, I wish, I hope. <laughs> it seemed like a better long shot at the Globes. Like, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. So yeah. if, it can't, if it can't get in the Globes, I'm, but I'm still holding out hope for, for an Oscar nomination for Paddington, too. So, uh, fingers crossed. Okay. Team Paddington. <laughs> Team what else? Paddington. What else were you, um, who else well, were you surprised to see um, off? A Star is Born got a lot of love, but one of the people who got, um, who a lot of people were really upset got snubbed was Sam Elliott, who he's so lovely in that movie. Um, another one that is, was kind of surprising was, um, you know, Roma. The, Roma is interesting because it was only, uh, nominated for Best Foreign Film, which it, um, which it, it was nominated for, and, but it, so it wasn't eligible in the Best Picture categories. So it wasn't technically snubbed there, but it, it wasn't eligible for that category. But who was snubbed was, um, Yelitsa Aparicio, who is the lead of Roma and is so extraordinary. She's a first-time actress, and that is somebody who, um, there's been a lot of sort of buzz around her, for, so for her not to get a nomination, that was definitely, um, kind of a shock. Mm-hmm. 
and then a couple of other movies. We talked about this when we, we were, I was on Instagram with Sarah Rodman, who is our features editor who covers TV. We were talking a little bit about just always the, conf the confusion, I feel like, is where it comes back to sometimes with the Globes. Oh, yeah. Where we had a couple of, you know, films that had... Uh, you know, were really well recognized across the board, but then their directors were not. And that, I think for me, I was most pained to see Barry Jenkins and yeah. it left off the list for If Beale Street Could Talk, which got some other, you know, well-deserved nominations, a screenplay and for Regina King. And that's great. But there was like that mix of, you know, when so much of a film gets nominated, but not the director, I'm always like, do people like, do you understand how a movie gets made? It, the, the director has a little to do with it, you know, was, it might be something you want to acknowledge. I never understand when you get, end up with Best Picture nominations where the director's not included. It's the same thing with The Favorite. Yorgos Lanthimos didn't get a Best Director nomination, and that is baffling to me, because mm -hmm. that movie, you know, has been, you know, raking in the acclaim, and, and to not nominate the director when you nominate for everything else is... And Karin Kasama, who we're going to hear Ugh. from later in the podcast, who in, in all of the interviews... Uh, like both in talking with her and in watching her with Nicole Kidman, like N Nicole, we spoke to Nicole, EW spoke to Nicole shortly after, you know, she found out that she had been nominated. And she even said, you know, pretty clearly, she was like, I'm sharing this with Carly. They had such, they talked even more than your kind of normal director star kind of about like the mind melt that they had. And so to see, I think Nicole rightfully deserves that nomination, but to then not kind of to ha it's not that it appeared from out of nowhere. Exactly. That, and that when you have that disconnect, that's always kind of surprising. A little bit. Um, Kristen, any other kind of like big picture takeaways from the actual nominations that you want to make sure we hit on? We'll have time to go back, you know, starting. Well, we won't because we'll come back and it'll practically be the Golden Globes. But any, <laughs> anything else you want to uh, say in terms of ones you were excited to see, people who were left out? You know, I was really hoping that Cobra Kai, which is the Karate Kid sequel that aired on YouTube, I thought if any voting body would truly understand the, the beauty that is Cobra Kai, it would be the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, but that's completely striked out, struck out. Um, there are certain things that I think get a uh, little bit of a, an awareness bump from, from uh, the nominations, like uh, a very British scandal, or uh, which was the—is it a very English scandal or a very British scandal? Very English scandal. Sorry, a very <laughs> English scandal, which uh, from Amazon, which stars Hugh Grant. I think that's one that people will say, "Oh, I've, I haven't heard of that. I'm going to go check that out." Same with the Kaminsky Method on Netflix, which is another show that has it has uh, Michael Douglas and uh, Alan Arkin, and these are people who, you know, obviously the Hollywood Foreign Press love. So I think that's another one we'll, where people probably haven't heard of it and will go seeking it out because of the nomination. So those are, you know, there's always a little bit, even though there's no sort of awards cachet from a prognosticating uh, standpoint for TV, since the Emmys are so far away, uh, it, it does help with awareness. And, and these shows will definitely get a little bit of a, a, a bump in buzz, if you will. Mm-hmm. What about on the film side, Devin? Anything that you think this 
might help out as they get closer to Oscar nominations? Um, well, some of the, there were a few sort of, um, there weren't a ton of surprises. Uh, one that some people were excited about was um, John C. Riley got a nomination for his role in Stan and Ollie. Mm -hmm. that's, a, um, that's a movie that, uh, so that that's a movie where this sort of like, you know, a Golden Globe nomination is a, is a big bump for that. Um, Shameless plug, if you didn't listen to last episode, <laughs> listen to John C. Riley talk about that movie and the other many, many movies he has been in recently. He was a great interview, lots of fun to hear from. He's in like 12 movies this year. I love it. Uh -huh. and he's he's so he he's so uh, versatile with, mm -hmm. with what he does that he's amazing. Um, another one, uh, Rosamund Pike uh, got a, a nomination for her role in A Private War. That was another one that was sort of that. on the bubble when it came. Um, but so that's that's sort of exciting to see that sort of um, you know nomination. And but a lot of this was you know um, a lot of the Globe stuff was sort of you know just reiterating a lot of the big you know ones who are who are in the. Um, sort of in the Oscars conversation as we, we get underway. Yeah, I, except for that weirdness around how we had some movies like Bohemian Rhapsody, and you know, which is a drama, according to the Globes, as is Star is Born, which makes so sense. But then uh, Green Book, which ended up in comedy or musical, is about music, Golden. but not, and is, has light moments, but is now what we would consider to be a comedy, necessarily. I think those were, we saw a lot of, feedback from fans and from even just sitting in the newsroom while we were breaking down the nominations, just trying to figure out, sure, okay. I mean, you can, um, what we know is that you can submit your work in one category and the HFPA can reassign it. Um, unclear whether any of those were reassigned or whether they were where their makers hoped they would be. A little weird. That's always so weird about the Globes. And that's one of the things that I think is so interesting because like, and a lot of movies that get made, they're not, you know, you, they're not explicitly categorized as musical comedy or drama. You know, they're like, this is a weird family drama that has, you know, some like com comedic elements and then like, also there's a musical number. Like, how do you categorize yeah. that? So it's, it's interesting to sort of, um, you know, that, and that's the thing about the Globes that is so, so bizarre is there's always some movie where you're, I mean, remember when everybody was up, in, I always remember when everybody was up in arms about The Martian you know, mm -hmm. being a comedy. And, and that's the one where everybody's like personally offended. And when it comes to the Globes, you sort of just got to like shrug your shoulders and be like, have another drink. The Globes are going to do what the Globes are going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Kristen, one thing that got announced right before we got the nominations was they're going to have a new Lifetime Achievement in TV Award. Um, mm -hmm. Any prediction on who it will be named for or who may get the first one? That could be one in the same. Um, DeMille did receive the first Film Achievement Award um, that is named for him. Who do you think might be um, on that short, short list for TV? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, the, the person that it really should be named for and should go to uh, first would be Betty White. Um, oh, bold. That, that is, that's not, we're not even at the bold takes yet, but I feel like that is a solidly bold take. Yeah, I'll accept I mean, that. I was going to say Norman Lear, but maybe sure. They can, <laughs> maybe they can name it for Mary Tyler Moore and give it to Betty White first. You okay. know, the only downside for that is that she was a recipient of a, a honorary Emmy, I believe, uh, at the last ceremony, so they may feel like, oh, well, Betty White was just done. On the other hand, Betty White is 96. and let's Give her all the awards. Agreed. We should celebrate her for as much as we can, as long as we can. So I, you know, I would suggest Betty White. She can either, the award can be named for her, but either way, she should get the first one. Um, 
I like know, that. And you know what they in what they released, it didn't actually say anything specifically around being a creator. So good call that it right. could be, you know, someone who has influenced without necessarily being that ubiquitous name on the credits. You know, it could also, if they really do go want to go with the creator route, I mean, you can't go wrong with Norman Lear, uh, for example. That's, that's um, my money is on Norman Lear. I feel like even though it's obvious, it's the right amount of obvious. Yeah, yeah. But, and, um, and I wouldn't be mad at it. Like, it, it wouldn't be like a travesty. Like, Norman Lear has done amazing things for television. I think we can all, it's almost too, it's almost a little too easy. Like, we, yes, of course, give Norman Lear Lifetime Achievement Awards if he doesn't already have them. It would them, be kind of amazing ones. if they did name it after a woman, Lucille Ball. She created oh, a lot of Oh, that TV, would be great. You know, yeah. and she created a lot of uh, the stuff that uh, she put on television and other things that, you know, she had a production company. So she's somebody that, like, then you're getting, then you're the first, you know, award, a Lifetime Achievement Award named after a woman for a major award show, right? And mm -hmm. then... And, and it's legitimate, so why not give it to her? I love it. That's great. Um, since we're making bold takes, let's, let's, let's have a few more. I feel like our obligation, since we are, we are so focused on talking about something that's still not happening for months, and we've been asking people to, <laughs> to do that with us and to listen to it, and we know people are excited about it, but it's a little ridiculous sometimes how far out we are from it. So I think you just got to lean in and, and be a little ridiculous about it. So, Devin... We've heard from some other on the others on the team about this, but uh, tell me now, in December, what's one film you think is going to clean up over the course of award season? Like, who, if you were putting money down, who would, who would it be? And this is who I think is going to win, not who I want to win? Yes, this is really, like, this is for the slightly cynical, informed <laughs> take. Who do you think is going to clean up? Um, well, this is one that I both think is going to win and I hope is going to win and that's the favorite by Yorgos Lanthimos because I think you just have you know three really extraordinary women leading that movie and it's so fresh and weird and delightful while also it's it's one of I love Yorgos Lanthimos as a director but this is maybe his most conventional movie um, if you've seen you know The Lobster The Killing of a Sacred Deer which which is saying a lot because this is not a conventional <laughs> movie you know there's rabbits and voguing and, and all kinds of crazy stuff happening in this movie um, but I think I think the performances are so strong in that 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 is one that I, I both hope and and think will will go pretty far okay that's good that's a solid a solid bull take Kristen um, what's one big surprise you would predict is going to happen on Golden Globes night beyond either Lucille Ball or Betty White <laughs> getting a lifetime achievement award which is pretty solid well, you know, I think that uh, obviously Sasha Baron Cohen was nominated for Who is America, which, you know, the validity of that nomination is debatable. But what's interesting about it is that he then invited Sarah Palin to be his, his guest uh, because she uh, he duped her on the, his show was sort of this hidden camera shock interview uh, situation, and uh, she was not pleased to be part of it. Uh, after she found out, and so I think my my crazy and probably incorrect prediction is that she will develop a sense of humor between now and then, and actually attend the ceremony. With I him. mean, we know she <laughs> likes to be on TV, so I would like that her. that whether whether she's actually finding it humorous or not. I think there's a real calculation there to be made about whether she might do it anyway for the screen time. Exactly that. I 
That's great. I, Kristen, now I'm sad that I don't actually get to watch the Globes with you in person <laughs> because I feel like that is a like drink betting level of like if that happens, we will find a way to honor your um, you know, ability to see into the future. That would be my, my crystal ball. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then if we could figure out how to work the cast from Vice in there somewhere too. That would be that delightful. But delightful oh. slash horrifying. I would be really curious to see like what happens when like Christian Bale meets Sarah Palin. Wow. Oh. Or like you know, a dark Sam Rockwell. I, yes. <laughs> yes. Go back, back to, but back to Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg. We're just going to keep it light and fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So those are the Golden Globes. I, I mean, we're excited to, to see what comes together for that. Um, we'll have complete coverage, of course, on EWO.com and in the magazine. Um, we will be right back in a minute. We've got Karin Kasama talking about Destroyer and Nicole Kidman. Um, so stick around. Today's podcast is brought to you by Amazon Prime Video, presenting the Prime original drama series, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, starring John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. From executive producers Carlton Cuse and Graham Rowland, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan features breakout performances from Wendell Pierce and Dina Shihavi, now nominated for a Critics' Choice Award for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. Consider the show that Forbes says nails everything anyone could want out of an espionage thriller. Episodes available for Guild members at ConsiderAmazon.com. Welcome back to The Awardist. I'm Shana Naomi Krokmaw. I'm here with Devin Kogan. And we are so excited to talk our way through everything possible Golden Globes. We had our TV critic, Kristen Baldwin, who was with us. Um, and now uh, I'd love to introduce, we have a great interview uh, that senior writer Pia Sinaroy and I had a chance to sit down and talk to Karin Kasama, who is the amazing director behind uh, The Invitation, Jennifer's Body, Girl Fight, and this year's Destroyer, starring Nicole Kidman and Sebastian Stan and some other amazing people. Um, and, you know, we talked to Nicole Kidman, we've interviewed them together. Um, they are so, such great cheerleaders of each other's work and performances. It's been really wonderful to hear them both um, bring a lot of focus to why and how deliberately they decided to work with women as part of the films that they're making now. Um, so this is Karin Kasama. So I'm so happy to be able to talk to Karen Kusama uh, for the movie Destroyer. Um, this is, first of all, like, been such a, a fan of your works for thank so you. long. It's so great to, like, have you back with a movie like this. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. And I'd love to just dive right into um, what you were thinking about and feeling when you were coming up with Destroyer, which is just such a, 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 a sort of gritty, um, a, a gritty and, and tense uh, mm -hmm. thriller of our mm -hmm. world. But, you know, seeing Nicole Kidman playing this very like battle weary, mm -hmm. hardened LAPD detective and seeing her past and present. Mm -hmm. And I was just I was so compelled to sort of figure out like what was going through your head when you were putting this together? You know, uh, Phil and Matt, who wrote the script, they wrote a beautiful, beautiful script. And what it made me think about and feel w when I was reading it and what inspired me to do it was the 
the notion of how difficult it is to be accountable for our mistakes mm-hmm. and how painful a process that can be and how, you know, something the script evoked really beautifully and I, I was so attracted to was this idea of a kind of gritty exterior and a hard, sometimes challenging story mm-hmm. about a hard, challenging character that had moments of lyricism, had moments of beauty and expressiveness and and finding the room and the kind of multidimensionality of those things in mm-hmm. even a story that, that has um, some sort of uh, rough patches. Yeah. I think a lot of people have been sort of looking at some of the films coming out this year, especially if they're, you know, featuring female leads and and sort of helmed by women and looking at how it could be speaking to our current climate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wonder, I mean, I I didn't go into this film uh, looking at that and I certainly wasn't watching it with that in mind. Uh uh But having come out of it, I was sort of thinking about weirdly how resonant it was Mm -hmm. to what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, I think Erin Bell, for all her flaws, is animated by um, a very real fury at the world. And I would say a lot of that fury ultimately is when you dig deeper, self-directed. But superficially one thing we can feel is a sense of pleasure in seeing Mm -hmm. a woman who takes up a lot of space who walks in a room like a bull in a china shop and who uh isn't afraid to use her body to defend herself to lash out yeah and i feel like this is a moment in time when women are feeling like what they're asking the question what are our options what mm-hmm. what's in front of us how do we solve problems how do we get from a to b and sometimes you know as we see with a character like Aaron Bell um you get from a to b by by exerting your will and it it's not always the right decision in fact i would say in in her case it's often the wrong decision right. but just the the id we feel from mm-hmm. her the, the power of her fury, mm-hmm. it's it's um, compelling and satisfies something deep, I think, in audiences right now. Yeah. The other thing we get to see in this film that I think is, is rare, unfortunately, is not just this woman who takes up space, this mother, but her daughter yes. takes up a lot of space and is yes. so fully fleshed yeah. out. Like, and yes. can you talk a little bit about that? like those decisions around her character, but also that undercurrent in this film of generational violence. Yeah, that's such a great question. I mean, I think something we always felt about Shelby, the daughter, played beautifully played by Jade Pettyjohn, was just this notion that um, as people, as children, we all want to be seen. Yeah. We just want to be seen and acknowledged for who we are. We want to be seen for our inherent goodness And what does it mean generationally to not be given that recognition, to not be acknowledged at that most basic, affectionate, parental level? Mm -hmm. And Aaron didn't have that, and now Shelby's not getting it. And Aaron is seeing right before her eyes how damaging it really is and and kind of the the precipice that her 16-year-old daughter is actually on. And I think... I don't know, personally, as the the mom of an 11-year-old, I'm five years away from potentially seeing that <laughs> precipice of a boy. Right. And it's scary. It's like I, it, 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 um, sort of soul shredding to imagine seeing your kid 
go down the wrong path. And so I think there is something about the story that's attempting to say that like mothers and daughters, mothers and their children can heal one another right. if they just take the time to sort of stop being so mad yeah. and look at, look at each other. And, I, and this was something I was thinking about because that the maternal element is mm-hmm. so the the motherhood storyline is so crucial. Yes. To this character. Yes. And so when a lot of people were referring to some of these films as like, oh, this is a gender flipped role that we're getting mm-hmm. to see a woman in a role that usually men do. I didn't feel that. And I know Nicole Kidman, who I was lucky enough to speak to about it, said the same thing. Yes. This is not a role that could have been played by a man mm-hmm. or a father. This no. is very specific. It is very specific to, I think, the 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 um, challenges that mothers have particularly with mm-hmm. their daughters and what it means to sort of both be female in in this world. Yeah. Um, and I also, I, I bristle at the notion that this is a role that a man could fill only because I find myself wishing more men had more complicated and interesting roles. <laughs> so I hope yeah. that more men um, find themselves, if they're actors, and writers and directors wondering how to get to a character this layered and complex. I think that's a really good point. And speaking of that, I think, you know, um, I was, I, this is, this is so, the story is so rooted in Nicole Kidman's performance. Yes. But what I really uh, enjoyed was seeing her play two different versions of herself yes. across a period of time. Yes. And so we're seeing her play a 29-year-old yes. self at the beginning and then seeing her sort of 20, some 20 years after that. Yes, and there was exactly. a lot more discussion about the sort of like present day look and how different it was from maybe what you would expect. But I found myself more taken aback almost by the this just flawlessly beautiful, young-looking yes. woman can you walk us through? I think that's the part that deserves more attention than it's been getting. I, I the transformation agree. I'm story so happy to so hear that. On the other I'm, one. I'm so happy to hear that perspective because in fact, I think, you know, what, what we don't quite, it, I hope that the success of the film rests in the fact that we come to accept that we're watching Aaron Bell in the present day look quite ravaged yeah. and, and deeply, deeply broken by mm-hmm. the, the life she's living and choosing. But then we look back at her 17, 18 years later, and she's so much kind of more hopeful and awake and optimistic and, yes, emotionally reckless, but there's, there, there is that sort of beauty there. And, um, and to think that Nicole at 50 was playing a 29-year-old yeah. so credibly. And she really was, um, what was amazing about working with her was seeing that when she stepped on set as the younger Aaron Bell, it was like there was a different physicality. Her voice mm-hmm. was higher. It was softer. There was just a, there was a whole different take on yeah. the person because she was at a different stage of her life. And so in many respects, it was like watching an actor um, not just transform into one person, but into the multitude of people that yeah. we are through time as, as you know, as ourselves. And yeah. so, I don't know, it was very inspiring to see. I think that really, I think um, it doesn't take you out of the film. It, it, it does the opposite. It really roots mm-hmm. you in and you, invests you more in her journey because oh, you really cool. are asking that question of how did she get here? What happened to her? And then you see it. Yes. And 
I thought that was really, I mean, you see that moment in her life where it really was the crossroads and yeah. she could have gone two different ways and yeah. we get to see what took her on the path that she ended up taking. So I thought that was, um, yeah, it's not something we get to see. I, I no. keep thinking this is not a character or a movie we really even get to see now. Well, because I think it's it's uh, it's a hard thing to make these movies. They're, yeah. they're, on the one hand, it's a genre movie, which has its own sort of challenges in terms of people wanting to find the box that you fit in. And so if you're saying, well, I live in a couple of boxes, I live yeah. in, I'm making my own box, that's a little bit hard for people to process initially. But also I think stories about complicated women um, are potentially harder to get made sometimes. And so, yeah. and for me, as in terms of where I'm at as a director, I need a lot more, I'm willing to just be open about the fact that I need a lot of creative authority right. to sign on to something. And so... That means you make a movie for a lower number than you'd want to, and right. it's a, it brings other challenges with it. But um, I think for me, what is interesting about this movie is really the experience of living with a character through some of their most life-altering mistakes mm -hmm. and seeing that 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 not systematically not dealing with those mistakes yeah. takes a huge toll on her mind and body and soul. Yeah. And... Um, what does it mean for all of us um, as people living in this world that's so complicated? What does it mean to look away from the mirror? You know, we have so much to learn by doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Karen, before we let you go, mm -hmm. we have uh, we're asking a lot of people to do this. Shana, you want to ask? Sure. So, since uh, you know we're talking about things far in advance, we've uh, challenged ourselves to make some bold predictions. Okay. Far in advance, and we're also challenging our guests to, I mean, really less of a prediction and more of a campaign. If you were going to throw your support or cheer on someone else, maybe in your category, particularly uh -huh. like as a director whose work you think deserves to be honored this award season, who would that be? Ooh, um, for me, I, I, I refuse to choose one, but I would say you can choose more than you okay. wouldn't be the first. I, I would say, I would say, um, in my category, in in director category, it will be a crime if Deborah Granick is not nominated for Leave No Trace. I would be very interested and happy to see Paul Schrader be nominated for First Reformed. And Outlier, I think um, Mandy is one of the most interesting movies of the yeah. year, and Panos Cosmatos should get attention. And that's my little wish list. I like that. That's a good well, one. Two of those people just landed um, Independent Spirit exactly. Award nominations. Exactly. So clearly, somebody's showing them some love. <laughs> clearly, people are thinking along the same lines as you. But those are those are good takes, though. I like the, <laughs> that they're spanning. Yeah, yeah. A sort of ver yeah. Variety of films. Mandy's there. the outlier, but I gotta I gotta shout out to Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well um thank you so much for being here thank to you. talk to us about this movie and uh, i can't wait to see what you do next thank you i appreciate that destroyer opens on christmas day uh, which is a little odd not a not so much like another female helmed movie on the basis of sex which is totally a christmas day kind of movie um it's more if you loved the movies drive or southland as a tv show heat 
I would say that is the world of Destroyer, which I thought was a great movie. Devin, did you have you seen? I loved it. It's it's really it takes sort of that that classic '70s like thriller vibe in detective story, and it's really I think Nicole Kidman's performance in it is is absolutely extraordinary. I think so too, and I think it has a very different approach to that in a way that I feel like you can appreciate that it was directed by a woman. It's it, There is violence in it, there is an intensity to it, but it does not ever feel gratuitous and it doesn't feel like you're watching women suffer for the sake of it, which I think can often be the case in a film like this. Um, anyway, check it out. Um, big fan of Karin, appreciate her time. Um, appreciate your time, Devin. Thanks oh, so much thank for, anytime. for joining us. Um, the Golden Globes, which we can continue to talk about at length and will on EW.com air Sunday, January 6th on NBC. We'll have complete coverage, don't worry, before then, after then. Um, Kristen Baldwin, who is on, has been campaigning for some of her favorites. Um, and as we wind our way through the rest of award season, we um, have a lot of really great takes. Uh, it's been great watching our film critics, Leah and Chris, have been looking back at Oscars of years past. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday here on The Awardist with more bold predictions um, and a great interview with Mary Poppins director Rob Marshall. Um, please subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. Subscribe, like, leave us a comment. Thank you so much for joining us on The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly. Have a great week. <laughs>